0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Be Brown Bag. Tonight, we have the extreme pleasure of hosting David Sol at SolDavidCloud on Twitter. And he's gonna to talk to us about how to make your organization cloud ready. Some quick notes. You can always look for other Be Brown Bag content in Spanish for Latin, in several languages in EMEA, in Portuguese for Brazil. We all share that at, you know, hashtag Be If for any questions or any uh, comments you have, if you are live listening tonight and you want to send questions that way, I will be monitoring. Uh, And with that, I am your host, Ariel Sanchez. Let me know any way I can help you. And I'm turning over to David.
1: Hello, thank you very much for joining in. As Ariel mentioned, my name is David. I live in Mexico City and today I'm going to tell you some tales. I hope you feel like uh, hearing these stories. However, I work as Site Reliability Engineer at Weisling. I am certified as DevOps Engineer from AWS, part of the AWS Community Builder. And you can always look for me at Soldavit Cloud. Okay, when I was a little kid, and I'm sorry to say that this was last millennium. I saw this movie, Rogers in the 25th century. I love it. Space opera, uh, Martian princesses, uh, daring just bucklers in space, funny robots. As the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy mentions, it's uh, from a time where men were men, women were women, and little uh, small furry creatures from Alpha Centauri were small little furry creatures from Alpha Centauri. And in this story, the hero, Buck Rogers, gets uh, frozen in his spaceship in this time, in fact, in the 70s, and he wakes up 500 years in the future, in the 25th century. He is basically a, a caveman, He doesn't know anything about the future. But turns out that there was a big war and the human civilization crumbled. And it's rebuilding. But we lost our culture. In the future, all the stories of the past, they were lost. They don't know who were the Greeks. They don't know who were the the Franks and the Middle Ages, they don't know nothing about the Industrial Revolution. They are a, a blank slate, culturally speaking. And the big, uh, the big ability Roger has, besides he is handsome and strong and, de- and daring, is that he knows the story. He knows what happened before and he can. Guide his actions by all these stories, all this culture he has. When I, me as a child, that resonates a lot with me because I have to thank my parents that they gave me what you could say a classical education. They told me a lot of stories about the ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans and the Middle Ages. I remember these books, which I loved as a child, Aesop's Fables, all these (laughs) stories, trying to educate children with animals, saying, okay, this animal did this, and this animal did this, and if you behave correctly, everything goes okay, but if you don't, uh, you're going to have problems. And one of the first uh, books in Spanish, El Lucanor*, it's a book from the Middle Ages, one of the first books really uh, written in, in my mother's language, in Espanol. And it's, a, it's, a, it's filled with examples. The count, the count of the title, he asks his, uh, his uh, friend for problems he has. He tells, okay, I have this issue. I have to take a decision and I'm not sure what to do. And his uh, friend, his consiglieri, Patronio, he, instead of telling him, oh, okay, you should do this, I think it's better if you do this, he tells examples to him. And he says, okay, with one person happened this thing and it happened another thing and the result was this. And with these stories, he's trying to explain to the count what he should do. And I think that's very important. It's very important for us. When we try to move organizations into the future, when the time comes when we want to use the cloud and change our companies, our organizations, our businesses into the cloud, that we have that culture. We have that way of expressing of ourselves This. Shared tales that would let us explain what we want to achieve. So, when, what I want to do here in this hour, you're going to give me, is to tell you three stories, three fables of this age that can help us explain other people, explain organizations, what we are trying to achieve with the cloud what problems we're going to face, what difficulties we have to, to defeat, and what are the rewards we're going to have if we manage to, to embrace this new technology, if we manage to change our organizations, so we become something that can take advantage of the cloud. So, Let's start with the first story. 120 years ago, most of the factories in the world, the industrial revolution had already happened. We're talking about the end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century. Factories used these huge steam engines. And steam engines were great. All the start of the Industrial Revolution was based on the power of steam. And to create this steam and power or or machines, we needed these huge uh, steam engines, these huge uh, ovens, and you burn something to heat water and create the steam. And these huge boilers were very hard to, to start. They were very hard to put to heat to the correct temperature so they gave the optimal power to the factory. So it was not practical to start them and, and turn them off. It was more practical to have them at full power all the time to keep them running. And that forced them to keep the factories running all the time. It was not a good idea to have the factory start and in the morning and stop in the night. It was better to have the factory working 24 seven and have people working all day, all night, maybe in shifts in that time, the shifts were bigger, but never stop. And these uh, steam engines powered, these axes in the top of the factories, and you can see the, the photo there, you have this, uh, this axe that goes one way to the other of the factory, moving all the, all the machines, uh, powering them. And then it came a great revolution it came a a huge change. And people like Edison and Westinghouse and Tesla come to these big industrialists and told them, okay, you need to stop using steam and you can now use electricity. Electricity is the new stuff and electricity is going to be the future and electricity is better for factories. And it was a huge change. We're talking about taking out these boilers, taking out these STEM engines to change it for a different different, uh, electrical generator, maybe, and uh, and an electrical engine. But part of the thing these these geniuses in that time told them is okay, with electricity, you can start and stop the, the machines. You can start generating electricity and stop generating electricity whenever you want. Uh, and it's cheaper and it's easier and whatever you want to say, okay? They said it's better. The future is electricity. And if you go to that time and you see the, the reports of the first companies, the first factories that changed from steam to electricity, what they are going to tell you is it doesn't work. It's a lie. It's not cheaper, it's not easier, we are not having these gains we were promised. Those wonders they told us were going to happen. That's not happening. I took out my uh, boiler. I took out my steam engine. I, put, I had to buy or build uh, an electrical generator. Yeah, I have to build or buy uh, an electrical engine which is expensive. And then I connected it to the access I have in the factory. So now it gets powered by the electrical engine instead of the steam engine and nothing happens. The factory works the same. There is no difference whatsoever. Before I had a steam engine working 24 seven to power the factory. Now I have an electrical engine working 24 seven, powering in the factory, nothing changed. Notice it, I cannot start and stop the electrical engine. As all the factory is connected, all the machines work with the same ax, There is no use in in stopping and starting the, the electrical engine. I need to keep it running 24 hours a day. So there is no difference for me. There is no change. I do not have any gain in the business. Yes, I'm not burning wood or coal, but now I need to get my electricity somewhere else. I need a big probably a boiler to generate electrical energy and nothing changed. And that happened for several years. Several years, people said electricity is a scam. It doesn't work. It is not, uh, not an advantage in the business world to change from steam to electricity. And we can talk now, 120 years later, and ask ourselves, what happened? Why, when, when they were saying electricity doesn't work? We know now, <laughs> obviously that the electricity works. We know, we today we know all factories use electricity. No factories use steam anymore because electricity is better. What changed? What changed is the way we organize work. Instead of having all these machines all together, all taking the power from the same place at the same time, in such a way we cannot start or stop them and they have to be in a, in a, a straight line, we now can have a lot of engines. Instead of, instead of having this huge steam engine or this huge electrical engine in our factories, we have hundreds or thousands of small engines. So we can plug them in into the electrical installation and have each machine starting and stopping when we need to. Instead of having all of them working 24-7, we separated the work, we reorganized the factory, we changed the place the machines are, We put the machines that we need to create pipelines, production pipelines together, and we can start and stop the machines in that pipeline when it's needed. And that way we can save energy. We can reorganize the factory very quickly. We can move machines around. All of that was impossible in the steam era. That's why we use electricity today.
0: And it's, if it's okay, I'll, I'll add a comment. I thought yes. I thought this was the answer for sure, right? I thought that the difference was that utilities started being created, and you know, not everyone needed a generator on site. They could be connected to the utility, and I thought that was gonna be it. So,
1: <laughs> if you tell me, you are you are correct. The first factories, there were no utilities. The first factories you needed to build your own uh, electrical generator. In fact, when I give this talk in Mexico, I put photographs of of a very nice place here near the city where the generator existed. One of the first factories here in Mexico, they built their generators in a river to use the power of the river to power the factories. At the start, you needed to do that. You needed to build your generator. When, it's, when it started to be a, a market for it, yes, utility appeared. It, it made sense. And now tell me, does, it, does this match what we are seeing with the cloud?
0: I, I think it's a great parallel So what you what you... What you're doing is a great parallel to what we're seeing with cloud. That not everybody needs to have their own you know, infrastructure on site when they can consume it as they do it.
1: Exactly. When we started, if you wanted to have a data center, there was no other way. You need to build one. In the future, and I'm, I, I am convinced of it, in 20 years, to build a data center would be a crazy idea. It would be the same to say a factory, you need to build your power plant. Whatever for, there are utilities that give you the electricity. You don't need to build a power plant. In 20 years, the idea of build a data center for you to have your your systems, it would be nonsensical. Whatever for, there are utilities that gives you the computer power. You don't need to build yours, right? And the problem we see that some company says, okay, I'm migrating to the cloud and it's not giving me any advantage. The problem is they are working the same way they worked before. And that, prevents them from seeing the advantages. It's the same thing that happened when the first migration from steam to electricity happened. As they kept the factories in the same way, powering the same infrastructure and working in the same way, there was really no advantages of having electricity instead of steam. The the advantages of using electricity comes when you change, the way you organize the work in the factory. When you change the way they, even the machines work, because now you can power each machine independently. Instead of having these huge engines, you have a lot of smaller engines, right? But you are completely right. Uh, the fact that we use, that we can use now these uh, utility uh, data centers, it's something that will give us uh, an advantage with, that we didn't have before. Okay, so that's the first story and I hope you liked it. This one is the only one, by the way, that is historically based. This, this is uh, really history. Now we enter the, the world of wonder and the world of fables. This is a story I was told <laughs> many years ago, by my first boss. By the way, Samuel, si escuchas esto, muchas gracias. Never forgot that story he told me when I was a, a small uh, guy starting in this uh, in this business. He told me, okay, I need to tell you the story of the White Square. He told me once in a military base in a country we don't want to mention, A captain called a soldier. He called uh, this Jones soldier. uh, Jones, come here. I need you to do something. The captain knew that Jones was smart, was hardworking. He didn't give problems. Jones helped. He obeyed. And he was very smart. And he told him, "Okay, I need your help. We have this uh, yard where we do the exercises and the yard has uh, white lines all over it to signal something, but the lines are are, uh, they are not uh, looking good. They are old. Uh, We need to paint them over again so they look sharp. Because tomorrow the general is going to come here to do an inspection and uh, we want the yard to look great. So uh, here is the paint. We need you for you to paint all the lines before six o'clock tomorrow, zero, six hours tomorrow. And Jones uh, starts thinking and says, okay, the yard is huge. There is a lot of lines. It's late in the afternoon. I will need to spend all night like crazy. Painting over, but okay, it's the captain. I will say yes. I will do it good because I want to to advance. I want to to show myself, right? I'm hardworking. Say yes, captain. Trust in me. And and Jones starts. Uh, Private Jones starts painting the lines all night, even in the dark with a, a lamp. He's painting the lines in the in the yard and then tragedy strikes. Three in the morning, he's tired, he is sleepy, he kicks the bucket and the white paint falls in the ground. And even if Jones quickly tries to pick up the paint and minimize the, the issue, there is now a big blob in the in the yard, right? A big white blob, and there's no way of uh, removing the paint, right? If he tries to use some kind of solvent and remove the paint, it's going to take hours. It's not going to take. He's uh, not going to do it on time. So, what do you think? What do you think? private Jones can do.
0: If he has enough paint, he could paint everything white. (laughs) That's not it.
1: Maybe not everything, but just a white square. Right? If he makes a white square, maybe people is not going to realize that it's a mistake. They are going to see this pretty neat, pretty a straight square and maybe they are going to ignore it they will think it's okay so private jones is very smart <laughs> so he says okay i can paint the square finish the lines and and 5 in 5 in the morning the captain comes he sees the square and Jones, Private Jones is like sweating and saying, oh, please God, uh, for him. And really the captain only sees that the lines look okay. He says, how are you doing? He says, in 20 minutes, I finish. Perfect, finish, go get your uniform, go to the line because the general is going to arrive here and we need everyone to see. He ignores the white square. He only sees that the lines looks okay, that everything looks in order and he has other things to think about. He ignores the white square. And Private Jones goes away. Ah, I I am safe. Nothing happened. And he saves uh, himself, right? With quick thinking. And then, many years later, decades later, he's no longer Private Jones. Now he's General Jones because he is hard working, he is uh, smart, he knows uh, to think on his feet. So he goes up and up and up and he becomes a general. And one day, many years later, he has to go and supervise his own base. He's going to be the one that will check how the base is. And as he is very hard working, He does not arrive the day of the inspection. He arrives one day before. And when he gets to the base, what do you think he sees in the yard one day before the inspection?
0: Somebody painted the white square.
1: Yes, someone is painting the lines, right? At all speed. And he questions himself, what is going to do when it gets to the white square? Because he says the white square is somewhat visible yet after all these years, right? What is going to do that soldier? And the soldier arrives at the place where the white square is and it starts to paint the white square again. So he goes to the soldier and says, uh, "Private, and the order yes, general, my general. What is this white square for?" Why are you painting it? And the, and the private is white, trembling. Uh, general, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I was ordered. <laughs> yes, it's always been this way. They asked me to paint all the lines and I'm painting all the lines. I don't know what the lines are for. I only know that they asked me to do it. So the the moral of this story is for us to see our daily work, see what we do in our organizations, in our processes, and question ourselves, how many white squares are we painting every day? How many things we do that no one remembers anymore what they were for? But we spent a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of effort painting those white squares. Right? So remember, <laughs> everything you do tomorrow, question yourself, is this a white square?
0: <laughs> That's very nice.
1: I'm glad you liked it. And Finally, we're going to the last one. The first one is history. The first one is real. You can look for the, <laughs> for the newspapers and see that that happened 120 years ago. The last one, okay, they were, it was told to me and I think it's a great story and I try to tell it whenever I am able because I think it's, it's something that we need to, to take into account in our daily work and in the need of improving our daily work every day. A lot of that is stop painting white squares, right? And for that, we need to understand what our work is, where we give value to the the customers that sometimes we don't do. This last one, the story of El Burrito, I call it in Spanish, the little donkey. This one is mine. <laughs> this one I invented it, and I hope you like it. So, a car, a car. Uh, what's the name? The car dealership. It's very interesting. Very interested. It's doing a big effort to sell their new trucks to the to the people that transport goods. The the farmers, right? They're going to the farmers and tell them, okay, we have this new truck. It's a wonderful truck. It needs a very low maintenance. It is very efficient, fuel efficient. It has this big uh, box for you to store the stuff you're going to transport. It, it can carry one ton of product. Uh, the driving is very easy. The visibility is great, it's very, easy. very safe to drive. And they go to this uh, farmer and say, this big farm, right? This company that produce food and they tell them, okay, you can buy us a couple of these trucks and start transporting your stuff with it. And the owner of the, of the farm says, oh, hey, it sounds great. <laughs> because right now we have a little donkey and we transport things with the little donkey. And well, it's, it's old. It's, it's, and it only carries a, a small part of the product and we have to, to deal with it. And we saw this truck and the truck looks great. So before buying it, before doing it, we need to do a test. So, and they call the, the mill manager. Hey, come here. We need you to make a test of this new truck. So we want to put the donkey and the truck side by side and see that the truck actually works better than the donkey. We are, we are sure it's going to happen, but do the test and tell us how it goes. So they say goodbye to the dealership guys and say, okay, go to the manager and do that, right? So the middle manager goes to the farm with the truck, with the people of the dealership and says, okay, we are going to do the test to check if the small donkey or the truck is better. What we are going to do is tomorrow, instead of sending the, the product with the donkey, we are going to send it in your truck, okay? Okay, no problem. We're going to do that. At the start of the day, the other day, the guys of the dealership arrived with the truck, said, okay, we're ready. And they take a little bit of, of fruits, a little bit of vegetables and put them in the truck. 100 kilos, right? And the and the guys of the dealership says, uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, this truck can handle one ton. It can handle ten times the load. Uh, we need. Or we can transport more. But the guy in the farm says, uh, no. Uh, we have a, a rule here that we can only load the donkey with one hundred kilos. We cannot overload the donkey. So each day we have ready 100 kilos of, uh, of produce, of vegetables. We don't have any more. Why to have one ton of uh, vegetables if the donkey cannot move them? So we only have one kilos. I mean, we don't have more. The guys of the leadership says, OK, we, if we only have 100 kilos to move, we move them. OK. Uh, let's go in the in the truck and uh, and get into the highway. And they say no 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 forget it. Uh, the the driver the guy that handles the donkey that is going to be with them. He tells them no no we cannot go to the highway. Why not? Because no there is a rule that says that the donkey cannot get into the highway. We have to go over the bridge, over this uh, dirt road, because the highway is very dangerous to the donkey. There is no way we can go over the highway. They say, yes, yes, we know that, but it's not the donkey, we're using the truck, and the truck is for the highway. Yes, but uh, but we have this rule, it's in the, the rules of the company that we cannot take the vegetables over the highway. What is not the donkey, you can't use the highway. No, no. In fact, my contract as driver of the donkey says that if I take the donkey to the highway, they are going to fire me. So if I take this over the highway, they are going to fire me because I'm against my contract. So we need to take the, the dirt road. This guy says, okay, Okay. Even so, even that way, we are going to be faster than the donkey. Let's go on the dirt road. And they are bouncing around in the dirt road, and they get to the middle of the of the way, and the driver stops and says, "Okay, we have to stop here. Why? Why? Ah, uh, every time we take the donkey to to lift up." products, the vegetables, in this place, the veterinarian comes and checks the donkey. The company has this this contract with the veterinarian. So he comes at one o'clock and checks the donkey. He has to approve that the donkey is uh, healthy enough and it's in well condition so we can continue the travel. They say, great, but the donkey is not here. We are having the truck now, and the veterinarian doesn't know anything about the truck. And the drivers tell them, okay, sorry, but it's the process. We have this process and we want to check that the truck and the donkey, which is better using our process, right? Not to, we have to do what we do with the donkey, that it serves us. But it, it's middle of the day, it's going to take one hour for the veterinarian to get here. Yes, but we have to wait for him. So they wait to the one hour to the veterinarian to get here, to get to that place. And the veterinarian arrives and says, what the hell is this? Where is the donkey? No, we're doing this test. Now we're using the truck. The veterinarian says, but it's not a donkey. How am I going to check the truck? And the guys of the dealership says, you don't. You don't know anything about the truck. You cannot check it. And the veterinarian says, well, you need to, I need to approve it. And I cannot approve it if the, if the donkey is not here, right? And they spent a lot of time discussing what are they going to do, right? And, and finally, the veterinarian says, okay, I'm going to report this. That is a, a breach of my contract, That the donkey is not here. I came, in, I came and, and you left me here with nothing to do, but it's not my fault. You are on your own. I, I'm not uh, validating this. And the guys of the dealership says, yes, we know, we don't care. Let's go on, right? So they can continue the travel and reach the destination, deliver the product. And, and okay, we can finish the test and see what happened. And they go to the, to the owner of the farm a couple of days later when he gets the report. And the, And the owner of the farm says, Guys, I'm very disappointed. The report I got from my people about the test says that your truck doesn't work. Your your truck doesn't really help us. They told me that the truck carries the same stuff that the donkey does. And it took almost all the time that the donkey takes. And if we change this, if we change the, the little donkey for your truck, we need to change a lot of things. We need to change our processes. We need to change our contracts. We're going to have to fire people. We have to hire new people with different skills. And it's not giving us a competitive advantage because it transports the same stuff. It takes the same time, right? It doesn't work. It's not uh, good for us. It's not a good fit for a company, right? And, and the guys of the of the dealership, they are broken. They don't know what to do, right? And and they are leaving the office. And the chief, of, uh, the owner of the farm, doesn't, ah, I forgot to tell you something. The veterinarian says your truck is dead. It's not alive. And that's it. That's the story of the little donkey,
0: right? I, I completely love the story. It's it's amazing. It's it's so. There's so many similar situations in companies today where, and and you're totally right. When you go and talk to the person in charge, the CTO, the you know director, whatever it is, they tell you all of the disadvantages, and they see none of the advantages. Sometimes. <laughs> wow, it's a great story. Exactly. They
1: they see they say some, they, they see something that's going to disrupt the processes and the organization they have taken decades building, right? You're going to blow all of that over the air. But if you don't change the way you do things, if you pretend to have the same people doing the same things, doing the same processes, there is no advantages, they, it's not like they don't see it, they don't exist, they don't, you need to change your company. You need to it's change it's your Stephanie,
0: processes. Stephanie B comments that it's fear, it's a lot of fear. Yes,
1: yes, uh, it's to change the way things have worked for many years, right? Uh, a lot of processes that have helped you for many years. You need to get rid of all, all of that for something new, for something proven. And, and you say, okay, what do we say to these people? What do we tell them? And I was talking to some people a couple of days ago, and I told them 20 years ago, Apple didn't make phones. Apple computers, they were not in the phone business. 25 years ago, no one sell books on the internet, much less <laughs> sell you products, right, like store products over the internet. And these companies, these huge companies that had the stores and had the, the phones, They didn't move. They said, We have worked like this for many years. It works. And if we try to change things, it's a big risk. And what happened to them? They got destroyed. They got completely disrupted by new companies that embraced they change, they learn to use disadvantages, And even if these companies didn't have the experience in the actual markets, because think about it, Amazon start selling books against the stores with decades of experience selling books. It didn't matter, they destroyed them. Apple started selling phones against companies that had all the experience in the world selling phones. They annihilated them, pushed them off the charts. If we are not able in our organizations to change, to adapt to the change, We're going extinct. And there is this book I am reading that I am liking a lot, Project to Product. When it says, in the book says, these huge companies that are appearing, these big companies, Amazon, Apple, Google, they exist before because the other companies, the previously existing companies were not able to change fast enough. And if we are not able to make the existing companies change, these new companies that know that software and cloud is the future and are taking the advantages it gives, so they outcompete anyone in any market, what is going to happen is they are going to eat the world. They are going to completely annihilate any other company. So we need to make these companies realize that it's a survival need. If they want to survive in the future, they need to be able to perform as well as these big companies that embrace software and embrace cloud do. Or they are going in the way of the donkey. Because what is going to happen with to the farm that keeps the donkey working and, and doesn't embrace trucks. The first farm that uses trucks, what is going to do?
0: Yeah, they're going to prosper and little by little, they're going to eat their lunch.
1: Yes, they are going to eat their lunch completely and very quickly. They're going to take them out of the market. So that's what we need to tell people. And I, I sometimes feel we need these stories, we need these fables. So we have this way of communicating this need to warn them of the risk they are taking if they don't embrace these new technologies, these, these new ways of working. Because it's not only, and that's the first story, it's not only to block the cloud and say, I'm, I'm innovating, no, you have to change the way you organize work, right? So what do you think? Please put the, in the chat, what was your, uh, your favorite story?
0: You know, my favorite story was the last one. They were all very good. You, you heard me, you know, every one of them I liked, but this one was the most impactful uh, in terms of the paradigm shift that we are seeing uh, today with you know vendors, enterprise customers, everybody's being disrupted in some way, and you're totally right that. We have to be able to see the advantages and not the disadvantages. We have, you have to understand what new possibilities are open and not how they fit your existing paradigms. Stephanie D <laughs>
1: and I,
0: I love you because it's your original but I think it was the most impactful for me uh, Stephanie D liked all of them and she really thanks you for sharing them
1: Thank you Stephanie well and that's what I have for today <laughs> thank you very much are those thank your you pet
0: are, are those your pet bunnies
1: that, uh, my wife's pet ponies, wow. I have to say, they are university graduated ponies. They were lab <laughs> ponies.
0: And oh, that's uh, pretty cool.
1: She adopt them, adopted them after they finished their, their university <laughs> time, right?
0: They are graduated mm-hmm. from university. I love it. Well, thank you so much for presenting, David. It was an honor. I will share this talk with everybody that I know. I thought it was tremendous. And hopefully, we can do it in Spanish sometime soon as well. And thank you, everybody that stuck to the end. (laughs) Thank you, everybody that stuck to the end. You were amazing. Thank you for listening and helping. And uh, I'll stop the recording here.